Welcome back to Why the Flick, a podcast where two friends and former journalists take on a new movie each week and ask the hard-hitting questions. I'm Claire. And I'm Elizabeth. And this week, we have a little something special for you guys. We've kind of like talked about this a little bit back when we did The Writer, but Elizabeth and I many, 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 many months ago on a different podcast talked about Nomadland, which is Chloe Zhao's Oscar nominated and uh, winning, yeah, winning, yeah, Uh, movie. It won for best picture and she also won for best director. So we thought it might be fun to bring that episode back to life and have you guys listen to it and hear us talk about all the things we loved about Nomadland. Yeah. I'm excited to re-listen to it. (laughs) Yeah. Like we, like I said, it was definitely different time. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It was on an an older podcast I used to run and, but I think like it was still like a really good conversation that we Mm -hmm. had about it. We talked about what it means to be a Nomadland and um, you know, how it's different from like the van hashtag van life. We talked about different moments in the movie that we liked. Um, yeah. And so yeah. I'm excited to listen back through it. This movie gave me like the movie bug again, I think. Mm. Um, and also made me really excited for this podcast because it was such a good discussion. Um, it's a great movie. We talk, we, as, as we usually do, we talk about some you know, big life questions and capitalism and if we could live in Mm -hmm. in a van. Um, So yeah, it's a good one. Well, we won't talk about it anymore. We'll just let you listen (laughs) to it and see what you think, but please enjoy Nomadland. I love this. You know how much I love this movie. Oh yeah. It's definitely like a movie I've been meaning to watch and I keep meaning to do it. And I've heard a lot about it from you mainly. So I'm like, it's been on my list for a while. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to watch it and talk about it with you. And I'm like, you know what? Elizabeth always keeps me cultured. You always keep me cultured. So (laughs) You're in trouble. (laughs) But if I like any part any part in pressuring you to watch Nomadland I am I'm honored yes <laughs> that's been my I mission. give all of that credit to you <laughs> thank you so just a little bit of background on the movie it was released in 2020 and it's on Hulu now so you know you guys can definitely go check that out if you have the Hulu app uh, and watch it but the IMDB description says a woman in her 60s after losing everything in the Great Recession, embarks on a journey through the American West, living as a van-dwelling modern-day nomad. And yeah, that's that's pretty much what happened. I mean, there's a lot more context to it, I think. There's, yeah, there's so much to it for me. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it was directed by Chloe Zhao, and I've not really seen, I don't think, any of her other work. This is maybe the first that I've watched. I don't know if you've seen anything else that she's directed. I haven't, but I just kind of looking at her background, um, she's directed at least two other features and they were also kind of set in like these great vast American landscapes. So that's been kind of her her thing so far. And they're definitely nice. on my list now to watch. 
Oh, for sure. Um, I know that she's directing the upcoming Eternals movie, which is a Marvel uh, MCU kind of thing that's coming out soon, which I'm a big Marvel fan. So I'm very excited to see how she goes from this very realistic almost feels like a documentary type of a movie into something that's very magical futuristic <laughs> different yeah yeah <laughs> yeah it'll be interesting to see like how much of her style we can pick up on in it right oh, yeah definitely um but other than that the cast is it's pretty small of a cast there's uh francis mcdormand who plays the character of fern and then david sorry i'm might butcher this stray strathian 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 yeah i was actually looking this up last night because i love this man this actor yes but i like always forget his name and i didn't even know how to pronounce his last name so i tried looking it up last night and i heard like three different <laughs> pronunciations right so. right yeah he so he and it's funny because he plays his name's david and he plays a character named dave i think um mm -hmm. in the movie so it's yeah and I think Frances McDormand goes by Fran. And so I wonder mm. if, if they intentionally, if like they, because there were so many non-actors already in the movie, if they wanted to kind of keep the name similar to their own to maybe help make it feel like it was just their natural lives. I don't know. That makes sense. I think I did read an article where she was giving an interview and she said that she just always, she thought of one day of like, going by the name Fern and like leaving and like going off onto the road and so I wonder if that is something she thought if something if she, if she thought of that before or after the movie I'm not sure but it definitely sounds like it got picked up somewhere and I feel like you're on to something with with giving them their real actor names because the other side right. of it too is that yeah other than kind of these two actors and maybe a few others there are real people in the movie and they actually portray themselves which I didn't realize until after the fact which is pretty cool so there's like Linda May and um, Charlene Swanky and Bob Wells all of those are real people which I was shocked right. kind of by yeah I don't think I knew that going into it either I could kind of pick up on that um, like because it, it just they felt so natural and authentic mm -hmm. um, but yeah, yeah that's probably one of my favorite parts of this movie is is the the non-actor um, cast. Yeah. Swanky is actually from Indiana. Fun oh, fact. really? Yeah. Yay, fellow Indian, uh, fellow Hoosier, I should say. <laughs> yeah. Indianian. We don't ever say that. Sorry, yeah. guys. No, that's that's a sin here. Oh, sorry. <laughs> um, I did want to look this up though because in the movie, Swanky talks about having brain cancer, and so I was like, "Is this real?" You know, we have to think what's what's real and what's not. And so I do want to say Swanky is alive and well. Um, mm -hmm. I found it interesting though that actually her ex-husband did have brain cancer and died from it. So right. in this interview I read, she you know said she, uh, she went she was talking to Chloe, the director. She said she didn't want to do anything that would her kids she didn't want her kids to see this and think that she had brain cancer or for it to trigger them because their dad had brain cancer so she was she was really kind of sensitive to that part of it um but I did just want to stress that she's okay yeah and I I wasn't sure and then I think I saw her at the Oscars and I was like oh yeah I mean she's alive and she she looks yeah. healthy I know I was like where is she so yeah definitely she's she's okay 
But the movie itself is also based on a book called Nomadland by Jessica Bruder, which I also didn't know. And now I must go read that. Yeah, and it's nonfiction. So it's really interesting that this movie that feels very real, and I think you said before, has kind of a documentary feel, um, but is fictionalized. Um, I guess it's not surprising to learn that it's based off of a nonfiction piece of reporting, really. Yeah, because she... It was like first, I think maybe assigned to her as a, as a feature in a, either a magazine or, or, or an article in a newspaper, I'm not sure which, but it was just one piece. And then she realized like, no, this is a book and went on this journey to then thus write Nomadland, which was really cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely been a very like critically acclaimed piece. Like it's won so many awards. I keep hearing about it. like one after the other after the other how much it's won it's won um several academy awards for best picture best actress in a leading role best directing it's received several golden globe awards um baftas and critics choice awards it's just basically swept them all which is and it's mm-hmm. much deserved i'd say absolutely and historic as well i think it's it's important to note yeah, uh, Chloe Zhao was the the first woman of color to be nominated for Best Director and the first to win. Um, I believe only the second woman to ever win. Uh, Catherine Bigelow right. was the first, and that was a while ago. So the fact that it took this long is crazy. But I know it does irk me a lot sometimes that this, although this is like the momentous thing that happened it's still only the second time and we're in 2021. And so part of me is like, cringes a lot at that, but it is like a good shiny moment for her. And I think a good moment for women in particular too. And female directors, I should say. Um, So yeah, I wanted to ask though, we've talked about this a little bit, but when you first watched it and when you rewatched it, what were some of your like initial thoughts of the, the movie? Um, I absolutely adored it. Um, I want to say, so I would describe it as kind of a quiet film and it has that like indie vibe Mm -hmm. and that's not for everyone. Not everyone likes that, but I would say this is different. Like I can get, I can get bored pretty easily. This is about two hours. I think was the runtime or close to it. Um, never did I feel like bored or lost or anything. Like I was in the whole time because the cast is so because they're real people, they're just so compelling. Plus the landscapes um, are stunning. Um, the score is beautiful. The performances by Francis McDormand and uh, David Strathairn, <laughs> or however you say it. We'll get it right. Um, <laughs> yeah, eventually we'll get it. Um, those are wonderful. Um, I just adored it. And the, the, the main takeaway for me, and I'll say it was a different experience watching it each time, but the first time what really stuck with me is um, kind of what Bob Wells talks about this like tyranny of capitalism um, and how dependent we are on it. Um, and it's a system that was kind of made for us but doesn't necessarily work for us. And that's mm-hmm. something that really stuck with me. I, I still think about it all the time. I had a lot of aha moments um, from this movie. Um, but yeah, I just, I loved it the first time. Yeah, I feel like when I watched it the second time, I had much more of an appreciation for it. I think the first time it just, because I I'm, I usually don't get into 
these kinds of movies. It's just, I usually am like more geared to something else. Not to say like I wouldn't watch it. It's just, it's not usually something I'm, I'm automatically drawn to. And so when I first watched it, I watched it, I think it took me a second to like get into the flow of it, a little bit in the mindset of it. And then when I watched it a second time, I feel like I appreciated it so much more. There were things that I picked up on that I didn't notice the first time around and knowing like the story going into it the second time, I think um, helped too. And I said, you know, before it really felt real. It felt like I was watching a documentary because there are these real people sharing their real experiences with us. And I just felt like it was really introspective. There were a lot of simple moments Mm -hmm. that told complex things. It was just so like masterfully done. And it's a, it's a movie that they don't say a lot, but a lot is said in a way, if that makes sense, you know, it's just, yeah. Um, Not to mention like the gorgeous scenery. I mean, damn the, the cinematographer I got his name is name is Joshua James Richard and it was just like phenomenal I mean his use of natural light is crazy I mean and I know it's hard to shoot it at dusk and dawn but the fact that he could get those shots and you can you know maybe not see like super clearly but you know what's happening and you know what's going on just the fact that he was able to get those shots I thought was really amazing Um, yeah and I know she's worked with him before on one if not maybe two or more um films of her or of hers um yeah stunning and I but I also think um there are definitely times where the landscape it's so beautiful but it's also kind of like um what's the word like not daunting but I think you know what I'm getting at vast or it, it, yeah vast and, and and even in harsh you know especially mm. um in empire where I think the the two times we are in empire it's it's winter and it's kind of a harsh environment um and so it kind of uh you know plays a character in that way which I thought was really nice yeah the scene um in particular where she is in Arizona just walking through the um camp in the early morning hours and it really just follows her and pants with her the entire time I thought that was a really well done um scene yeah and yeah it was really beautiful I yeah I was thinking the wrong one at first um, I even wrote that one down and and like it really showed the community um that these nomads have created and 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 have yeah that was a beautiful shot yeah what were some of your other like favorite moments from the movie um, I guess I could look at some of my uh, notes, but I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Um, I really liked the scene in the beginning where she's in like the, what I'll just say is a Walmart. It looked like, you know, a big box kind of store mm-hmm. um, and she runs into people from her past. And the reason why I liked it is because it was, it was really subtle. It hinted to kind of her history in her past, but it wasn't, it didn't like hit you over the head with it. And that's, yeah. I think the, the film does that throughout and kind of to your point before on, on first viewing it does maybe feel a little slower in the beginning because I think we're waiting for the kind of traditional plot and to be told about like who is this person and where is the story going where a film like this is just much more subtle and you kind of just you want to just watch it unfold and so I think that moment um, is really representative of kind of the storytelling style throughout the whole film which is just kind of subtle Absolutely. um you know some of the, the campfire scenes the one in particular where we start to meet um some of the nomads and hear 
um, kind of how they got there. Um, that was really uh, compelling and just beautifully shot. That's like, you know, that's a dark scene. That's just with, uh, well, I don't know exactly how they shot it, but you know, uh, the light of the fire. Um, yeah, there are so many. There are. I'm gonna pause for a second. Um, my air kicked on, so I'm gonna turn it off last okay. time it came on and then I'll, I'll pick up and I'll just cut this part out. <laughs> okay. No, keep it in. <laughs> Second. Close my ear vent. Okay. Um, I was just uh, looking at my notes again. Okay. So no, I was gonna, I can, other... I can share some of my favorite moments and I'll just pick back up there. Hold on, there was one that I want. Where the hell did that just go? Oh, okay. Another huge moment, speaking of, of Swanky earlier, is when she's telling kind of her story. And she mm. goes through all these, um, you know, beautiful things that she's witnessed when she's out kayaking across the country um, and just like really highlights the beauty and, and simple things and the appreciation of simple things. Yeah, that's a beautiful scene. And to know that, um, and I think we read the same article that she wasn't ill and it was actually her husband. I'm sure she drew off of, or her ex-husband, um, you know, what happened with him and his illness, but that that was probably a, you know maybe the most acting she had to do that was maybe yeah. you know furthest from her true story and I mean it could have fooled me like it seemed oh, yeah. super authentic and like she was completely talking about her own her own story and experience um so yeah that was that was a great scene yeah I loved all of those those scenes with with the people themselves too some of the other ones I pointed out when I was re-watching it was the, it's a very short clip, but it's when Fern is in this valley of trees and she just shouts her name out into the valley and can hear it echo. It was a very like brief clip, but I just loved that scenery. Um, the, the spa day with Fern and Linda when mm -hmm. they were in, uh, was it South Dakota, I think? Yeah, I think they were in the Badlands. So. Yeah, yeah yes, Dakota. because then they call themselves the bitches of the Badlands. That was another yeah. favorite, favorite <laughs> part. Um, the crocodile exhibit at the zoo. I just like, yeah. loved, loved that and how uh, Francis McDorm was like, it's going to come through the glass. And I was just like, I mean, that it does like, it does look like that. It was a fucking huge crocodile. Um, anyway. Yeah, that thing the, was massive. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I was like, is this safe? I don't know. <laughs> It's prehistoric. Um, well, they are prehistoric, but <laughs> true, true. Um, yeah, the the swanky video of the swallows when she does send her the video when you see it play out, I thought was really just like mm -hmm. breathtaking. And then when Fern visits the Pacific Ocean and the waves are crashing down on the coast when waves are cresting, I just love that scene. It just was like, and I love the ocean anyway, but it did feel like that was a really powerful moment for her. And there but, uh, are so yeah. many moments like that. 
so many. Like this is a movie that you can watch over and over and keep picking up different things. And what's like amazing to me is that they, to me, they all work together perfectly. Like you, yeah. it, it never feels abrupt. It never feels like, wait, why am I here? It never feels like I'm shortchanged. Like, ugh, it's just brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> Which I should have looked up um, who uh, the editor or, or editors were on this film because a lot of credit goes to them as well. I think Chloe Zhao edited a lot of it. Oh, did she? Yeah, I feel like at the end it said written, directed, and edited or something by Chloe Zhao. I mean, don't sorry, don't take that as word. Um, I think she probably definitely had a part in it. There were maybe other people involved as well, but I do think she had some some part to play in that. Okay, I was uh, trying to Google it really quick, and it comes up Chloe and Molly Asher. Oh, okay, nice as the editors. Very cool. Yeah. So Elizabeth, do you think after watching this that you could be a nomad? I More knew you were going to ask that. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how long I could do it for. Definitely for like a year or two. Um, mm. See how that goes. Um, but yeah, like I said, I think for me, the, the first big takeaway was about this idea of like, we live in a system created for us, but doesn't work for at least all of us. I have like viscerally felt that for years. Um, and so it's very appealing to me, you know, finding ways to make the system quote unquote work for you. And so for, you know, nomads, they're able to, I think in many cases, Yes, they still have to depend on, you know, money and capitalism, but I think they do it as little as possible. They're able to travel from job to job, doing seasonal gigs and travel around the country. They don't have a mortgage or rent because they're living in the van. Like that gives you a lot of freedom, you know? Yeah. Um, and I like for the weeks after uh, watching this the first time, like I definitely looked into like vans and RVs and tiny homes and fucking yurts. Like <laughs> there really are so many, like you don't have to um, work 80 hours a week to afford a home and pay a mortgage for the rest of your life. Like there are other ways that you can live and make it work for you. And I think um, it's easy to forget that or to, to never see it because we just think like, oh, well, this is kind of how it is. Um, what was the question? Oh, could I live like that? Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Yes. It makes yeah. me think of Linda's, what did she call it? Her earth ship or something. It was what she wanted to build. Yeah. And oh yeah, I, yeah. Yeah. It was the self-sustaining home. And I was like, yeah, I mean, even that in a sense, like you're providing for yourself, um, where mm -hmm. you don't have to like rely on paying someone else to, you know, live in a home you have to pay you know an electric bill or I mean maybe you do I'd, I'm not like really looked that much into it but it sounds like <laughs> it's supposed to be like a very self-sufficient home and mm -hmm. I hope I hope she builds it I, I think I think she had the land um by the point of the movie I don't know if she's built it yet but yeah uh as for me I'm gonna be honest I probably couldn't live the nomad lifestyle I like gives super kudos and credit to the people who do that I envy them because it is a very hard difficult life in tandem with it being beautiful and peaceful I think mm -hmm. um for me I just I have 
the luxuries I think of like having a toilet to go to the bathroom in <laughs> and like that sort of thing is like kind of when you see it happening, it happened where, you know, Frances McDormick has a stomach ache and then she has to go shit in a, in a uh, barrel or whatever. And I was like, man, that really sucks. So um, it's, it's definitely something where, like, I think I could do it for like a week or, you know, it's like, to me, it feels like in that sense, if you do it for a week, it's like camping or something. So I feel like I could do it in that, in that regard, but living you know, without possessions and in a van, you know, traveling wherever, it sounds remarkable. And I give so much like credit to the people who can do that. I just don't think I'm one of them. <laughs> but it's, yeah, I mean, there are, there are a lot of sacrifices for sure. It's not, yeah. it, it can afford you a lot of great freedoms and opportunities, but that doesn't, you know, comes at a cost for sure. Absolutely. I'm yeah. just, I'm, I keep picturing Bernie and Winston. <laughs> inside a van for a prolonged oh, period Lord. of time. <laughs> can we just, can I just say, I wish she had taken that dog. I wish she had, but I under, I understand. Yeah. It was probably for the best for the dog, but I kind of had beef with Fern, especially the first time mm-hmm. I watched it. And I was like, really, you're going to leave it out in the cold? Right. She, well, she did just tie it up to like an out, a table outside and then patted it on its head and then walked away. And I, I thought she, like, it paused for a second. And I thought, oh, she's going to come back and get it. And she didn't. And I was like, I get that you can't afford to take a dog with you. And there's a small space. So you really can't, like, share it with another living thing. But I really wanted her to take that dog. It is totally possible. I just saw, like, a um, photo story probably on Instagram of like long haul truck drivers that have pets with them one one woman had like three dogs which seems like yeah a lot but it's possible fern mm-hmm. yeah fern go back and get that dog <laughs> <laughs> um okay well i want to like talk a little bit more about different things that happen in the movie itself um but i kind of want to set it up so in the beginning we open with the words on January 31st, 2011, due to a reduced demand for sheetrock, U.S. gypsum shut down its plant in Empire, Nevada after 88 years. By July, the Empire zip code 89405 was discontinued. But I had to look it up. This this actually happened. It was a real thing, which I didn't mm-hmm. also didn't know. Um, it was a real place. And yeah, they went through that. So, yeah. Yeah, and I, I know I've heard of that before. Basically, these old like ghost towns that just get abandoned. And I love how it says that like the zip code was um, canceled or whatever the word was. Discontinued. Uh, they used discontinued, because that yeah. just is it's such a bizarre thing to think of or concept to wrap your head around of a an entire town, entire zip code just being like. Eh, never mind. <laughs> right. This isn't like a product line. It's like, oh, this like line of shampoo is discontinued now. Like, no, these yeah. this zip code means people's homes and their livelihood and and they're just gone now. Like they don't have a place anymore. Yeah. It and so that's like supposed to set you up to understand the context of what's happening. Um to Fern, who is the main character we get introduced to. Um so she is at this like storage unit picking up some things to take with her in her van. And so she is just beginning her journey into becoming a nomad. Um, 
she's starting to like retrofit her van. She calls it Vanguard, which I thought was such a great van name, first of all, to to say that. I also liked the one woman had paint. Oh, and I wish I remember how it went because I didn't write it down, but paint something something ain't and it rhymed. And I was like, that's a very good uh, van name. Yeah. Um, paint because it takes me where I ain't. I think yes. it's <laughs> yeah. Yep. yeah, I, I like it a lot. Um, but we get a little bit of background on Fern. So her husband, Bo, died, I think, before this happened, before the plant closed, from, from what I was understanding. Yeah, I think that was a little, um, the timeline's a little unclear to me. I wasn't sure, you know, how, how long the plant had been closed and how long her husband had died. Right. Um, but you can tell, like, she's still in warning. Her, her husband and her actually had both worked at the plant, um, so once the plant closed and her town was shut down, she's lost her husband. She's lost her, where she's from, where she lives and her job all kind of within at least a close span of time, I would say, which must, mm-hmm. I can't like imagine already like that amount of loss. It's already enough of a loss to deal with the, the loss of a loved one, like your husband, but then to lose your home and your livelihood, I can't. I mean, that definitely goes into like her journey, which I want to talk about later, but it's just, it's just crazy. I can't wrap my head around it. Me neither. I mean, and not just losing your home, but losing your entire community. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know if, unless you've ever been through something like that and had the rug, you know, taken right from under you, mm-hmm. um, I think it is hard to kind of understand, but yeah, that's, yeah. that's a lot of lost and change in a short period of time yeah um so I mean the rest of the movie I think it spans the whole movie itself I think spans about a year from what I I think so was understanding so uh you know like I said Fern Fern is very new to this nomad lifestyle I mean in the very beginning she like has to go to the bathroom and she like goes off outside by a fence and I think a lot of us have been there (laughs) when I was like seeing that I was like yeah we've had to all do that at some point so you're not alone but it's interesting how like that was her first beginning of beginnings of it and how she changes into this like very efficient nomad by the end I think of the movie um but then yeah go ahead and I don't like I don't think she um I don't think she had really come to terms and I certainly don't think she thought of herself as a nomad or like this van is my home until she really starts to um, get to know Linda May and talk to her. Mm-hmm. And then obviously when she meets up with them at the retreat, but I think she was, she was somewhat resistant um, or just in denial about kind of her new lifestyle. So you definitely see her, you know, evolve into it. Yeah, definitely. Um, and so in the beginning, she starts a job at Amazon in Nevada. She's part of the Amazon camper force list, which is basically a program where RVers can find seasonal job opportunities. And that's kind of where she gets, like you said, introduced to to Linda May there, um, and kind of learns more. That's like the catalyst of her becoming more of like the nomad. Um, there is one like kind of critique that we... We touched on this in the beginning of 
our podcast was that the show or that show sorry I'm so used to talking about shows this is <laughs> our first movie but the movie I think does a really good job of um subtly telling you the story without telling you the story and there I mean I liked that in a lot of ways but in some ways there were parts where I didn't know where she was in the world exactly and I would have to like look up and see where she was and so part of me wonders like maybe they could have added like a little like title card at the bottom or something to say what state she was in but I don't know if that would have taken away from like the aesthetic of it you know I don't want to like ever mess with yeah. someone's vision it was just hard for me to like be like where is she in the world now yeah I think um I, I think I would usually be like that and and needing those details I think there's something about this movie that's just kind of disarming and so I I don't know I never felt like the need to like I you know where is she and mm-hmm. I didn't think it was like um you know super important um, yeah I mean I was curious obviously and afterward like to read about it and find out mm-hmm. um but yeah that's interesting to hear I think it was hard watching it the first time. Once I watched it the second time, I was like, okay, I have a better sense of where she is in the world. And they do a really good job in the dialogue of saying where they are. Like when they called themselves the Badland bitches, you're like, okay, well, they're in North Dakota or South Coast Dakota, I think. And um, yeah, I mean, that was that was just one part where I was like trying to figure out where she was exactly. I did write down like all of the states she traveled to. So she starts in Nevada, goes to Arizona, then South Dakota, then Nebraska, then California. And there's like a really good video that the Nomad Land uh, Instagram page created. Then it like has her van going through all the different states and it integrates clips in. Um, so I'll, I'll share that on our, on our Instagram. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that really helped me like put it in like picture it I think a little bit more visually I think um did you do you have a favorite landscape or a favorite location oh I think California was my favorite Mm -hmm. just when she got to the red tree forest that was one of my favorite parts too but also her experiencing the Pacific Ocean I really liked that as well what about you Mm -hmm. the badlands I don't know what it is about just like endless like rock (laughs) like oh my gosh yeah yeah that's like high on my list yeah yeah I definitely have a lot of more like bucket list items after watching this movie I'd say Mm um I want to talk a little bit about the nomad lifestyle and just what it entails and I think we learn about it more as the movie progresses um I may or may not be right about this. I think the first time Nomad actually gets brought up is when she's in South Dakota and she's talking to some of the campers there. And the one says, you know, you are one of those lucky people who is from the US and you can travel anywhere. And they sometimes call you nomads or people who don't have a home, which isn't entirely accurate. But I feel like that was the first time Nomad actually got said in the movie. Yeah, I'd have to go back and watch it and see if, um, like, when anytime Bob Wells is speaking or when they're doing, like, the demonstrations of kind of, like, how to be a nomad. Um, right. But they may refer to it more as, like, van living. Um, mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, yeah I'm going to have to go back because I feel like I've heard that. I felt like that the first time I watched it and then the second time they said it again and I was like, 
maybe it's just the first time it's been defined by someone or like tried to be explained by someone. I think that might be more so the case, which is why I drew attention to it more. But it is, I mean, in a sense, like, yes, you do live out of your van or vehicle and your van has to be really versatile. There's a part where Fern like has this like fishing box and when the lid drops down, it becomes extra counter space. So you have to be, you know, really versatile with how you design your van because it is like your home. You're furnishing as you would furnish an actual home, you would furnish your van to make it accessible and, and livable, let's say. Yeah. And there are in watching like um so many tiny house shows or videos or um, I follow a couple of people who have renovated like buses um, or like airstreams. Um, it's really cool, like how creative you can get to utilize a space. So it's cool to see Fern doing that in like a, like a really low budget way too, like really just using what she had or maybe what she picked up at like their like yard sale or whatever. No, oh, yeah. Um, but yeah. And yeah, you see and her like later, uh, sorry. Oh no, you go ahead. She continues to, it, it almost looks like the fishing box. Like maybe she was repurposing part of it. It was that same kind of wood, but she puts mm -hmm. it on like the inside of her door. And then it, mm -hmm. it also has like a little thing that, that comes out. So it's like, she kind of was advancing and, and expanding um, on her, on Vanguard. Well, and I'm sure it helped getting to meet with all these other nomads and see inside their vans. There was one part where she was inside um, Day's van and she was like, I like your setup. And he was like, thanks. And so I'm sure she's learning along the way and like getting, you know, ideas for how she can improve her own Vanguard van. But yeah. Um, did you know uh, Chloe Zhao lived in a van at least part of the time? Like she had a van built, built a van or whatever which I would love to see. Um, yeah, I knew that I was, I mean, I, I kind of had guessed that it probably would have been something along those lines just because of filming and traveling. But yeah, I mean, that's definitely immersing yourself in your, your art, mm -hmm. I would say. Right. And giving yourself that experience. Um, so yeah, I mean, with nomads, you know, they also still have to take some form of a living so they find jobs where they can find them if you can find them for one um but a lot of it is seasonal work and manual labor jobs so fern like we, like we already said she works in amazon in the beginning she ends up like going to a rock farm in arizona she, then she becomes a camp host and works at wall drug in south dakota and then she goes to a beet farm in nebraska um, and then I think she cycles back to, to Amazon for the holiday season. So it's interesting work, I think, to see her go through all of these different jobs. I mean, the one at the one at the campgrounds, I really felt for her and Linda having to clean those toilets and pick up, I don't know what it was on the ground. I think it was boxers or something at one point where they were like grossed out by it. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely hard work, I'd say. Yeah, but I got the sense, and maybe it was a wrong read, but I mean, Fran, or not Fran, Fern says at one point that like she wants to work, like she likes yeah. to work, and she seemed very much um, like a hard worker and uh, was willing to do whatever. Like I didn't, it, other than maybe like the beet farm, because um, I feel like there's a moment where she kind of, we see her just like sitting down 
um, and tired. Um, but other than that, um, she really seemed to roll with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the beet farm was where I felt her to be most exhausted just because that one was a lot of like shoveling like these huge pounds of beets basically into um, bags. And that part of it, you know, is really difficult. Um, and I think with like the campgrounds, yeah, there were disgusting parts, but there's also a point where Fern and Linda are driving around and Linda was like, where are you going to get a view like this looking out into like the, the vast land. And so I feel like that's also part of it too, that she gets to, yeah, it's these jobs that she picks up and they're quirky jobs and she likes them. And she also gets to be part of seeing and exploring as, as well with that. Right. Um, so along the way, Fern meets with fellow nomads, like we said. So Linda Swanky and Bob and Bob Wells runs, um, it, I think it's called Cheap RV Living. And I like it when Fern first sees him on YouTube. She is like, he literally like Santa Claus. Right. Um, he is. And it was so poetic because I think it was around Christmas time too when, when they were filming that. Um, yeah. So yeah, he does run RT, RTR boot camp for beginners. It's Rubber Tramp Rendezvous in Quartzsite, Arizona. And it's a support system for people who need help. And it's really like, it, like I said, a boot camp. So when she gets there, they have like these seminars kind of like outside there. He's going through the 10 commandments of stealth parking, which I'm like, I really want to know what these 10 commandments are. Yeah. He's, he's probably somewhere I could go look them up, but there was that part of it. There was another woman who talked about how to take care of your own shit. And I thought it was funny <laughs> how she was like, if you're on a Nissan like me, here's a two gallon bucket. And if you have bad knees, here's a seven gallon bucket that you can use. <laughs> so yeah, that was, that was kind of like training, I guess, to be a nomad in a, in a mm-hmm. sense. Um, and then Fern also meets Dave, like we said, uh, while doing an exchange. So he takes one of her pot holders in exchange for a can opener. And that's something else that the nomads do too. They just have kind of this shared space where they can take things that they own that they want to give away and they drop them off there. Um, and then other people can pick them up if, if they need them. So it's very like community driven. Mm-hmm. Um, with Dave and her, what were, what were like, what was the vibe you were getting between the two of them? I'm sorry, did I think um, you call him Dave or Dan? I can't remember. Dave, yeah. I think, I think you said Dave. Um, okay. I think she was clearly like very like resistant to that kind of connection. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there were a couple times where she like literally just kind of like, okay, bye. Like just <laughs> turns around and leaves. Um, yeah. Like when she wants out of the situation. Um, and I, but I thought Dave was, um, you know, I thought he was respectful, but also kind of pushed her at times to, you know, yeah. uh, kind of open up. Um, do I think if you're asking, like, do I think it was like a romantic connection? I think so. I mean, I think there's so much of their story that's kind of left unsaid and we don't really know, you know, where it's going to go. Um, mm-hmm. But I think they were kindred spirits. Do we... Do we know about like his wife or ex-wife? We know that he was um, like, an, he was kind of an absent father. He wasn't a good father in his own words. 
I didn't I'm catch not sure what happened to the wife. wife. I don't think it was ever explained. Yeah. Um, but I think they just, they, I think have things that they can probably relate on. Um, yeah. You know, life didn't necessarily go the way that they kind of expected. Um, so yeah, I would like, I would totally watch a sequel <laughs> or a oh, prequel because yeah. <laughs> there's it's like so much too. still to learn. Yeah. Especially about uh, a fern, you know, she's kind oh, of yeah. a, not a totally closed book, but yeah, she doesn't, she doesn't wear everything on her sleeve. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what do you think with, about them? I don't With Vernon and Dave, like when he first popped into the picture, I was like, oh, I love interest. Cause that's just where I think a lot of our yeah. minds go to, but it was very much a will they, won't they, I think during the filming. And I, I kind of like that it, it was open-ended and didn't really go down that route. Um, it seemed more that they're just really good friends and they developed a very close friendship to me, which is also, I think, good and important to show that with the nomads and their communities. Um, I did think he was really, really sweet and he wanted to try, but she doesn't want to accept his help. And then when he broke her plates, I just audibly gasped and I felt- Me too, both times. Like I knew it was coming and I still gasped the second time. I don't know what it is about that because you just you know he's trying to help and then it just goes, goes so wrong and she's so she does a good job try, like she tells him like go get over right. there um yep. but you can tell she's like just <laughs> trying not to totally I snap know. well yeah, yeah and like you don't know the plates are in there and then when you do like these are the plates that her dad um passed down to her and so they mean a lot to her and it's a kind of a collection they're linda may brand and uh, or I think it was no, no I don't know if they were Linda May Linda May is the name of the no one of the nomads I'm getting things mixed <laughs> up but definitely like it was sentimental to Fern and I just yeah. really felt bad for him because he didn't mean to I <laughs> know him. they ended up making up and they became close friends so it was fine mm-hmm. um there's also another like younger nomad that Fern connects with named Derek and like she first mm-hmm. meets him in Arizona and then can reconnects back up with him actually in uh, I think it was Nebraska and I just thought it was it's interesting how all of these people in her life like ebb and flow come in and out and she'll just you know kind of meet someone one day and then meet, meet them again months down the road and not even mean to it's just kind of like fate in a way. Yeah, I think that's a big part of that life and culture. I mean, they say it, you know, it's, it's, there aren't any final goodbyes that see you down the road, you know, Um, and there's something really uh, beautiful about that to just kind of know or trust that you'll run into someone again. I think you have to have also like a huge sense of trust in people too, Um, just because they're strangers, (laughs) you know, and you don't know how people are going to react or or treat you and I liked how in the in the movie that they're just kind of these like described as gypsies where they're like all sitting around a campfire at one point and it is a very community driven group um they're all just like looking out for one another and I feel like for me like my mind goes to like stranger danger you know instantly but in this regard having this community of people is more important and they all they all are in the same situation so they can all relate to one another 
Yeah. And I, I do wonder how, um, cause that's a very optimistic view on it. And maybe it is that way for the most part, but yeah, especially as like a single woman, like mm-hmm. there are so many times where like, I want to be friendly and I want to talk to like a stranger, but I have, I've been like trained <laughs> yeah, to have, like protect myself. It's been ingrained in me of like, you're like, you know, always the object of danger in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I'd be interested to hear maybe from like other, in particular women who have, mm-hmm. if they've ever had, you know, bad experiences or close calls. Um, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. That was one part of it. Where you, I was trust. Like, you do. And I mean, I'm an introvert, but also at the same time, it's very much like, I don't, I don't go talk to people because I don't know who you are. And that's not a great mindset to have. I mean, I think being a nomad, you have to be open to meeting new people for sure. But yeah, I just, I thought that was, that was like my mindset when I was watching the first time. And um, I would be interested definitely to like read up more on if what like that mindset is with, with everyone else. Mm-hmm. But uh, with being a nomad, you know, we've talked about this already. There is a harsh reality where like what if you get sick or what if something happens to your van and I think something happening to your van is the worst thing that can happen because it's basically your home and your source of life um there's like one part where Fern gets a flat tire and she doesn't have a spare and Swanky has to help her go get one and Swanky is like you could die out here you need to be prepared and Fern's like yeah I know I know and it's just like really puts into perspective I think the danger yeah of living on your own. And I think that is one moment I think where it is touched upon. Like you are in, you could, you are in danger out here, whether you're by yourself or, you know, if something were to happen to you or your van, you need to be able to know how to, how to take care of yourself. I think another, because, oh, sorry. I was just gonna say, I think another point of it too that I'm remembering is when they're at that like RV expo and the guy has the taser and he was like, this will scare anyone away. So that's like kind of another piece of it that I'm remembering now that's true that does kind of um allude to what we were talking about yeah I liked that moment uh where Swanky was like you could die out here because it, it like you said it put it into perspective and again I thought it did it in a really kind of like subtle way that doesn't you know beat it, beat you over the head with it basically mm-hmm. there's also that part um where she ha- does have to like her van breaks down she has to get it fixed and it's like over two thousand dollars and they're like you should just sell it and she goes no I can't just sell it I live out of it it's it's my home and that's what a lot of people don't understand is that you know this is her livelihood she she's put a lot of blood sweat and tears into this van and she can't just let it go because letting it go would mean she'd have to start all over again Mm -hmm. and I would have done exactly the same thing she did call my rich sibling (laughs) yeah and then she called her a bitch over the phone and I was like I don't know how they act but I would be nice to my sister if I needed two thousand (laughs) dollars but yeah the other thing of it too is like I think it can be a really it even though there is this community it can be really lonely sometimes you know yes because you're you're not always together you do have to part ways everyone does have is on a different you know schedule um, so again, I think that's why you have to find even like in those lonely moments and times, you have to kind of just know that like, you're going to, you know, run into your friends again, or you're going to meet yeah. someone to kind of, you know, get you through that. 
Yeah, I think when she was in Nebraska, like she was basically alone that entire time. Like they didn't, I don't really remember seeing a shot of her except when she met up with Derek um, like later on. But that's the other thing I like about this movie too is that it does highlight the need for human connection even though you're a nomad in a sense that you've kind of given up like this social life and all of these things, you still are a social being. Um, and I think that, you know, we see that too when Fern goes to visit Dave in California and they want her to stay. And, you know, she kind of pushes that away because she's more so pulled to the road. And, you know, she ends up even like going and sleeping out in her van versus sleeping inside the house because she finds, I think, her van to be more comfortable at that point. But it is like, I think, a, a push and pull for her to like have this like connection with people. Yeah, and I think I would argue that that kind of life could actually be more social. Um, yeah. I mean, I think about I live alone and especially for the past year have been very isolated. Obviously, if I were out on the road, mm -hmm. um, I'd be forced to interact with people. So I think for a lot of people, it can actually mean a more like social life and more human connection. I think it leads to more like authentic connection versus, you know, just us being on like you know communicating on our phones or devices or whatever all day you know mm -hmm. we see each other but are, we're not like really seeing each other I guess if like you're looking at it from a deep sense so yeah I, right. I think that's a good point that like with nomads I think there is a deeper connection because there are no distractions I mean you don't have much to distract you out there um but yeah and then they also touch upon the misconception of being a nomad so you talked about how she had run, run into someone from her town and is asked if she's still doing the van thing and then her daughter says my mom says you're homeless and fern goes i'm not homeless i'm houseless there's a difference or it's not the same thing is it and i'm like yeah it's not it's not the same thing and i think that you know there's there there was sorry there was this other like deleted scene that I saw on I think their Instagram and it was Fern was parked in maybe like a residential area and a police officer came and like knocked on her door and he was like we've just been getting some complaints of a woman like sleeping in her car or whatever for the last few nights and she was like oh no I just I just um I'm driving through and I stopped and I took a nap and I fell asleep and she's like trying to get out of the situation and he was like, okay, well, if you go down this road, blah, 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 you can, you know, park there and you'll be fine. Um, and so I think that there is like this negative image from the public on what a nomad is and what they do. They're not homeless. It's just a different lifestyle. Absolutely. I think most people who would um, see someone like Fern would assume that she is desperate and in a bad spot and needs help or that maybe she's you know up to no good or like she's lazy and can't work and and or maybe that she's she's homeless um which is another takeaway take for me from this movie of just like you really just don't know anybody's story until you yeah. know it and and you really can't um you know, judge just based off of appearances or based off of their situation. Mm -hmm. And, and we might get into this more later, because I really want to talk about this idea of like, choice, and how much of a choice this lifestyle is. Yeah. But I think people assume kind of the worst and don't, doesn't even register that that person might be living that way by choice. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. I definitely want to talk about like why people become nomads to begin with. The other um, thing of it too that I had read is that younger people, this is not to be confused with like hashtag van life, which is a thing among millennials and younger people who are like doing it to be influencers. And yeah, I know, create like beautiful content on their Instagram pages. And it's it's not the same thing. Like, I think we see that too with the RV scene, because RV living, I think, is a more luxurious lifestyle. And when, um, when, Fern, Swanky, and Linda go to visit one of the RVs. They walk inside and they're like, it's like a disco in here. And it has a washer and dryer inside of it. And it's so different from what being a true nomad is. Um, I mean, the RV life is probably what I would probably be more comfortable with. I'm not going to lie. And I think yes. there's definitely luxuries with that and, and, and nice things as part of that but it is not to be confused with being a nomad I would say yeah I'm glad you you brought that up because I appreciate that about this movie that this what it's not a trend yeah it's not for Instagram it's not this cute thing like this is a a I would argue a choice um Mm -hmm. in most cases um and a lifestyle there is, uh, so there is one thing I did want to get into just briefly. I don't want to like dwell on this, but I did see like some criticism about how gig labor was portrayed in America through the movie. And particularly, I think it, it was through the portrayal of Amazon. Um, mm-hmm. And it was featured in the book a little bit, but not so much in the movie. So Amazon, I think most people may or may not know this, but it can be really dangerous to work there and you don't get necessarily like the benefits and the pay may not always be great. Bruner, the the author of the book had kind of described it like plug and plug and play labor. So they kind of like need these nomad people to work there. Um, But they don't like, since they are seasonal workers, they like can't unionize. you know, the, the job can be physically difficult. Lots of people can die while they're working in these like dangerous conditions. So um, the criticism was that the movie kind of glazed over that fact and Fern didn't really have any complaints about the job itself. Um, I looked up what Chloe had, had said and she kind of defended it saying that she didn't, saying that she wanted to avoid politics. I think with the movie, she wanted to focus more on the human experience and things that go beyond political statements. So for me, I like, I can see the reasoning, um, but I also feel like if you're gonna have a movie that feels authentic, it shouldn't really shy away from the bad parts of it too. I don't know, how do you feel? I, I, I feel that it's not necessarily her job to do that. Yeah. I think we saw a snippet of uh, work life at Amazon. We saw one story for the most part of one woman I know, and I'm sure you and everyone else knows people who work at Amazon and yeah, we know it's a grueling job um, and it may not be the best circumstance, but it's not, you know, the, there, yes, there's plenty of, of um, there are plenty of issues and things that we should talk about, but that's not going to be the experience for everyone. And yeah. I think it makes sense if, you know, she wanted to, this was about the people 
and the human side of it, <clears throat> excuse me, not about making a statement. I also think like just on its, there are the dogs. Right, dog started barking. You're <laughs> fine. Um, like this idea of seasonal gig work on face value, I don't, is, don't think is bad. I mean, I think there's a lot of opportunity in that. Um, again, that, that is something that works for a lot of people where like a traditional nine to five full-time year round job isn't. Um, yeah. so I wouldn't automatically discount that. Um, but yes, certainly there are issues and, and we should talk about that. And for me, films can address those things, but they can also be really good starting points for those conversations. And it's up to us to have those conversations, educate ourselves. I'm not going to put the weight of it on one director and one story. No. Yeah. no and I don't I don't think that either I mean I think because it was it was featured in the book like it didn't have to be elaborated on that much in the movie it could have even just been a line of like yeah this is there aren't it's not all that great sometimes you know it didn't have to like get into it as much I just I wonder if it if it um since it is a you know a big part of gig labor it, if it could have been just highlighted like a little bit in there but yeah I definitely don't want um I definitely don't think it takes away from like the story at all by not having mm -hmm. it in there right I just like had heard that get brought up in I was listening to a, a podcast um recently that was like going through all the different Oscar nominees and that had gotten brought up in it. So it made me curious, like what were they talking about? So then I, I dived into it a little bit more. Um, well, do you wanna talk a little bit about why people become nomads? Yes. And the choice? Okay. Yes. Cause there are more multiple reasons. Like everyone has their own reason. So I think there's the side of it where you wanna get away and connect with the earth, but also, you know, find healing like Fern did. And then there's the other side of it where this is the only option for a lot of people, particularly older retirees. Mm -hmm. um, so I listened to most of an interview um, with Chloe Zhao um, and she, she was referencing the book and said in the book, a lot of these people are, um, it's not by choice and they're forced into it, but in the process of doing it and being on the road, they realize that it is actually for them. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think, I think that's the case a lot of the times. Um, I think Fern, I'd like to talk about like Fern because I think, I, I think she kind of accidentally fell into this. Mm -hmm. I also think um, at least initially, the reason why she's on the road is um, I think because she doesn't want to let go of Empire and her husband. And if she were to set up roots somewhere else, that would be like very formally abandoning or leaving behind empire and yeah. so I think if she thinks if she just kind of keeps going and is like literally mobile then she'll never have to like totally close that chapter or leave that behind mm -hmm. um and of course we can talk about the end uh later where I think she does get that kind of closure and then ultimately still ends up on the road mm -hmm. um but yeah I think I think it's um I think it's choice or it's um, maybe you're kind of forced into it, um, but discover that it actually is a, is, a, is a good option. Yeah, and I think it's, it can be both too. Like with Fern, it was a healing 
kind of experience for her, but also, you know, she was laid off basically from her job. And there's like one part where she's trying to find work and the woman is like, you should just go into early retirement. And Fern is like, you don't understand, like I can't just live off of these benefits. Um, Linda May is another one who talks about like her experience, which is so heartbreaking her story of like how she had contemplated suicide. Um, Like I, my heart really went out for her when she was saying that, but she talked about her social security benefit was $550 at 62 years old. And she had worked since she was 12 years old. I mean, and so it, it didn't make sense. She couldn't sustain herself where she was at. So she decided I mean, more decided or forced into whatever you want to call it to live in an RV and travel and not have to work the rest of her life is how she put it. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it also goes into how you talked about earlier with Bob talking about the tyranny of the dollar and us all basically acting as workhorses. And I feel like that part really resonated with me because there is a mindset in America and just in general of work, 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 work. And if you work really hard, you're gonna achieve the American dream and you're gonna get there. And it's just this work all the time mindset. And then when you're done working, you go out to pasture, you know, and it's, what are you supposed to do at that point? It's just, I felt like that was a really good metaphor that he went into to describe it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it like you said, it really resonated with me. It really rang true with me and all these things that I've kind of felt over these the years and the questions that I've had and I'm like damn Bob you're right I know <laughs> I love how of the said, dollar. I know right I know I love that phrase tyranny of the dollar <laughs> but I also like how he shared a story or no I'm sorry I didn't share a story he compared it to the Titanic and he was like I'm gonna try to get as many people on the lifeboat as possible and that's yeah. like his role and he talked about how like he wants to be able to serve people and to help people so um I liked that that he talked about that a little bit more if I can go back a second Mm -hmm. um talking about like um the director not wanting to go political I just want to add that again in this interview um she did talk about that a bit that she's interested in making movies um for or that include people that she doesn't necessarily agree with or that they wouldn't agree with her but that she can still be able to access. Like she's not really interested in making a movie that makes statements that everyone's already gonna agree with, you know, or agree with her about. Yeah. Um, and so I think that that might be one reason why she didn't dive into that particular issue is that I think she wants to make it open and accessible for anyone on any side of the, uh, a given issue. Um, and if you notice when uh, Fern is at the um, beet farm, and she's talking to a group of workers in a circle and there's one guy talking about tattoos and he has a Confederate flag uh, tattooed mm-hmm. on his arm. Um, there are people who might see the movie and take issue with that. And there are people who would say, no, we don't wanna try to talk to those people. We don't wanna try to yeah. understand. But I think she's clearly um, the director taking a different route and kind of wants to um, make it accessible for all. And sorry, I'm rambling. Um, you're fine but she also um she talked she kind of touched on this in her oscars acceptance speech uh, which is a beautiful and like the movie kind of um straightforward and 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 simple in a profound way 
Um, but she talked about these poems that she would recite with her father in, uh, in Chinese um, when she was younger. And uh, one, or at least the first line of one was, people at birth are inherently good. And I think she truly believes that and she wants to go into every interaction with, with a, a person with that in mind, that all people are inherently good. I like that. Yeah. yeah, I think so often, and especially in this day and age and with with media and social media in particular, we, we're all just like at each other's throats often. And we don't take a minute to pause and see how we're relatable to each other, you know? Right. And again, there are people who will say, fuck that. I'm not, I don't, this person fundamentally doesn't, is, is on a different moral ground than I am. And I can't get behind that person at all. And so I'm not going to even try to listen to them and try to be like, oh, see the good in everyone. Not, you know, not everyone is, agrees with that. I think that, yes, there are some people that you aren't going to be able to relate to. And you're just, and you just have to make your peace with knowing like, that's mm-hmm. not the person for you. That's not someone you can connect with. But I feel like if, if everyone could just be a little bit more more open-minded, everybody, not people who are closed off-minded, you know, I, I think it would do us more good. Um, yeah, no, I, I agree with you. Yeah, I think yeah. if we were more, um, I just lost the word. I think if we just saw each other as, as human beings before yeah. anything else, yeah, we'd all be a lot better off. Yeah. Um, yeah, I want to talk about this scene too with Fern and her sister Dolly when they're all at the barbecue. Um, Mm -hmm. because I think this it comes up here a lot too, and it comes kind of to the forefront about this misconception. So, someone says at the barbecue that real estate, you know, always ends on the upside, and Fern disagrees. She says it's strange that you encourage people to invest their whole life savings, go in debt just to buy a house that they can't afford. And I was like, well, that's, that is true. So um, the guy like rebuttals and he's like, well, we can't all just chuck everything and hit the road. And she takes offense to that rightfully so because she's like, that's what you think I did was just chuck everything. And I feel like it's in that moment that you realize like this wasn't really, it was kind of a choice for Fern, but also not just because of the situation that she got put into with her town getting like obliviated basically um I don't think it's what she had planned right and and even just because it's a choice doesn't mean that it's easy yeah and doesn't mean that there isn't sacrifice and I and I don't remember who that guy was if he was like a family friend or what but Mm -hmm. he was kind of implying that you just kind of you know fucked off and said forget about responsibility in life and I don't think that's it at all Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, I think ultimately, like, there are a lot of people who become nomads to find peace and and deal with their grief, but they're also placed in that situation. So it's a bit twofold, I'd say, Mm -hmm. Um, which I think is a good transition to talk a little bit about Fern's healing journey, if you want to dive into that a little bit more. And then I think we can can wrap it up. But um, as you know, we said earlier, she's experienced this loss of her husband and her whole town um, we don't know how he died they he they didn't really get into that but he did get very sick it sounds like he was hospitalized uh, for for some time and 
I think you can see Fern's progression a lot once you, especially once you watch it back, because in the beginning, she is open in some regards, but I think she's still really closed off. And she, I feel like when you watch it progress, she talks about him, her husband, Beau, more and more and more till like at the end, she's kind of like accepted and found peace within herself. I don't know if you kind of noticed that too. Yeah, and I think her conversation with um, Bob around, well, I don't know if there was a fire because it was daytime, but um, <laughs> when when he was talking about final goodbyes and, and I'd have to watch this moment again because um, I'm still digesting it, but she talks about, um, I think her, like her father told her like what what is remembered lives mm-hmm. and she thinks she's maybe spent too much time remembering her husband um in hopes that you know he can live on and and bob talks about there's you know no final goodbye there's just you know see you later down the road and he he says something along the lines of or or maybe she does um basically leading to you know you can you can remember your life and dwell on your life together with with your husband again one day you know like there's there'll be a time for that it's not necessarily now um and in this life like you can you can move on I thought that was really beautiful too I feel like um like that was a point where it came full circle and I feel like Bob is just this like wise prophet I don't know he just like used this stuff that just like gets you and just makes sense but in the beginning you know he says to her I think you're on the right journey like connecting to nature and connecting to this community is going to help you and I think you're on the right path and then she goes through her journey and you see at the end, he does that have that conversation with her. Um, and I think she's finally realized within herself that she did spend too much of her life remembering Bo. And if you live in the past too much, it'll consume you. You have to find a way to recognize it, but also move on. And mm-hmm. I feel like Bob really helped her accept that and not feel bad about it anymore. And that one day you know you can remember your life with Bob and he had talked about how he'll be able to do that with his son who he lost um down the road you know seeing you down the road and I felt that was really beautiful um I think too sorry I'm just like looking looking through my notes um I think it's it's interesting how in the beginning too like the this the movie starts with her at the storage unit and she can't even bear to get rid of anything and she can't even bear to get rid of his clothes and then by the end of it she's like just send it all off and she's just kind of like accepted it and moved on um in a way yeah she keeps the the coat though which i liked oh i didn't see i didn't recognize that oh my yeah. gosh i want to go back and watch <laughs> yeah that she then. I don't like I don't remember seeing her like holding it but then when she's at the house she's wearing it mm-hmm. so nice. part of part of me too wondered if Fern did this to I mean obviously like yes dealing going through her grief and being forced to become a nomad was part of it but I also wonder if she just needed to get away and maybe she's a little fearful of connecting with people um and I felt like that I could tell that a little bit more when she was with Dave in California with his family like they wanted her to stay 
and she kind of had this moment alone in the house where she did decide ultimately to not stay with them I just wonder if it's because you know I can't imagine what it must feel like for her but just just wondering if um sorry I'm like losing my train of thought that she's afraid to connect with people again because of like the emotions it brings up and might be triggering for her Right. And I think it's because she had unfinished business. She was still Mm -hmm. very much tied to empire and, and everything that she lost. So I don't think she was ready for that. Um, And in terms of like why she, she went on this journey again, I don't think she knew. I think she was just, especially in the start, um, she was just surviving. I don't have a house anymore, but I have this van and I can get this job and this job and figure it out. I don't mm-hmm. think, I think she was kind of just on like autopilot in a way. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then kind of just slowly went along for the ride and, and you know, all the people, including Bob that she met along the way, just, I think opened her up to so much more. Yeah. Yeah, I do feel like when she was in California and the scene where she is looking out at the Pacific Ocean was a very like cathartic moment for her. I feel like that was one of maybe the one of the first times we saw her just like start to let go a little bit. And I think it speaks to, I mean, I believe like there's a lot of healing power within nature and being within nature and just being in a space that's quiet and you're surrounded by nature itself I think that speaks volumes um so when she was at that point I feel like it was just a really beautiful moment and she just kind of takes this this breath and I feel like she's feel at least a little bit more healed at that point yeah and I think too it was really you know also like a good closure to have with her going back to empire at the end um I liked that this is, you know, like we said, she started her story in Empire and then she ended it in Empire. But I feel like once she went back, she was at that point ready to let it all go. And she kind of goes through the town. It's like her saying goodbye to everything. She visits the plant. She goes back to their old house, um, you know, and I think she just has this final, you know, moment where she's she's in her home and, um it's kind of like this last memory that she's giving herself, I feel like, of like looking out into their backyard and seeing this beautiful desert backyard that they have looking out onto the mountains. And then she just steps out and walks away and, and doesn't turn back. And she goes about with the rest of, you know, her nomad life. I thought it was really beautiful. Right. Right. And, and, and we don't totally know. We can kind of guess where she's going, mm-hmm. but we don't totally know. She, she could be going back um, to see Dave she could be going back to another um, gig job and doing the same thing kind of all over again. We don't know, which I think is, yeah. is fine. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think um, that's where it ends. I mean, the only other thing that I, that we didn't get a chance to really talk about too much was the travel aspect, which was just beautiful that she got to visit all, I mean, all of these places that she visited were stunning. And I feel like, one of the things that made this movie more appealing, I feel like, is because we're in these COVID times and nobody can travel right now. And so getting to see these places play, played out in this movie was kind of like es- escapism in a way that we oh, get sure. to like experience these places. So I feel like that's also why it did so so well. Um, but yeah. Yes. 
Yeah, you know that I like I'm a believer that you don't have to literally go outside and and travel. Of course, that's always uh, ideal or preferred. Um, mm-hmm. But we can travel through through books, through stories, through movies. Um, and yeah, I think this is a good example of that because we get to see um, so much of the country. And I've been thinking a lot like. Um, I shared on, on my blog, the travel by blog, um, my cross country train trip. So I got to see a lot of um, the West and the beautiful vast landscapes there. Um, it was national park week recently and sharing some of those stories. And um, a friend did a guest blog where she visited Utah's mighty five. Um, so I feel like I've been thinking a lot lately and, um, you know, of the West and these vast landscapes and I'm ready to get out there. I know the West is somewhere I've not gone to a lot I'm sad to say I've been to California but just to San Diego but I've not been anywhere else like west of Chicago unfortunately so I really like definitely like want to take a trip it's just usually like anytime I think of vacation I just want to go to the beach and sit and drink a margarita Um, but I think it's important too (laughs) to explore where you're from and you know, to get to see these places because it's one thing to see them in a movie or read about them, but to actually live and breathe and be surrounded by it, I think is a whole different experience that people should have. So I agree. (laughs) Yes. Um, Okay. So we typically at the end, um, well, we've not done this with a movie before. I don't know if this is, if binge bar is appropriate because it's not I guess we watched it twice, so technically we we binged it, but you've seen it probably. Look, it's almost two hours. <laughs> Anything more than 30 minutes is a binge. <laughs> how, would, how would you rate it on the binge bar? I mean, this is not a surprise, a 10 out of 10. Yeah. Absolutely. What what makes you give it a 10 out of 10? If you could summarize I mean, it in everything. a few words. Yeah. I don't know if I can. Okay. Well, maybe not a few words, but I'll just like run on here for a minute. Sure. <laughs> um, the professional cast, the non-actor cast, the directing, the writing, the landscapes, the story, the soundtrack, the pacing, the editing. I mean, you, you used the word masterful before, and that's probably an overused word, but I truly think this is a masterful um, film, a masterful piece of art. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, it's nothing's perfect, I guess, but I think this is about as close as we can get to it. Yeah. Yeah. I gave it a nine out of 10. I still think that as for all the reasons that you basically said is why I give it a really high score. I think that when I first watched it, it was just hard for me to get into a little bit. It wasn't, it didn't draw me in right away, but then, like I said, watching it back the second time, I felt a more appreciation for it. And I think if I watched it again and again and again, I'd probably be like even more in love with it and find definitely like more things to to appreciate about it but yeah all right guys well thanks for joining us and thank you Elizabeth for coming on to talk about Nomad Land. I had such a fun time getting to just digest this with someone who understands it yeah <laughs> and appreciates it, it and you keep, like I said you keep me cultured so I gotta <laughs> I gotta give you the kudos for that um, thank you for having me bye Bye.